Real quick, friends, if you think about how you found this podcast, somebody probably shared it with you via text or post on social media. The only way this show grows is through word of mouth. I don't run paid ads. I don't do sponsorships. My only ask is that you continue to pay it forward. So however you found this podcast, please do the same thing. If it was a review, a post, if you just do that, it would mean the world to me. And I'm positive that it will make an impact in somebody else's life. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Lauren Murphy took her first pro MMA fight after just seven months of training, stepping into the ring in Alaska with a do-or-die mentality. Now, after a 10-year UFC career, she's a top 10-ranked flyweight who relishes the energy of a UFC walkout. This is pretty nuts, right? I've got two episodes of Lauren coming your way that you are going to love, and each one of these is very special to me. Lauren and her husband, Joe, are two of the best people I know. They are honest, gritty, fun, smart, and people I have a tremendous amount of respect for. They have flown halfway across the country to support me and my wife in a jujitsu tournament. That's the kind of people they are. Today, Lauren shares how reframing nerves as a power bar for your body was pivotal to leveraging stress for performance. She discusses emotional honesty as fundamental to mental toughness and how she processes setbacks. And Lauren offers up some really funny stories and honest advice about a coach-spouse relationship. If you're married, you're going to love it. Whether you want to thrive under pressure or simply build more grit for daily life, this raw conversation will bolster your mental skills. So let's dive in now with Lauren. Let's lean in and learn from the best. Lauren, the first time you ever stepped into an octagon and fought somebody and they were out to physically harm you, were you scared? (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) I've never done anything like that. And I remember when I walked out, I had told the promotion, I was like, you can pick my walkout music. I don't even care. And I didn't even hear it. I was so like amped up on adrenaline and just so freaked out. Like I didn't even hear my walkout song. I don't remember it. But I remember like being faced off with her and standing across the cage from her and just being like, I have to win this. I have to win this. And, uh, what was the outcome? Yeah, <laughs> I TKO'd her in 17 seconds. <laughs> so this was like, was this like complete survival mode? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was like in my mind, it was literally do or die. <laughs> that was how I thought about it. That's how I thought about fighting for a long time. Mm. Where were you when this happened? Like, where was your first fight? I was in Alaska in a small town called Palmer, Alaska, in a actually in a hockey rink. There's so many hockey rinks in Alaska, and uh, a lot of them are indoor, and so they just like put boards over the ice, and they'll have events like like in these uh, gymnasiums and hockey rinks and stuff like that. <laughs> so you started. I'm just gonna say from the bottom, like you had to really grind your way up. What led you to MMA? So originally I took my son to a jujitsu class and the whole reason I took him was because I was like, well, it'll teach you so many great things that martial arts teaches like confidence and like respect for yourself and others and discipline and a good way to make friends. And so I took him to this class and I was like, well, in my mind, I thought like, well, it's too late for me. Like I'm too old and I'm too 
unathletic and like How uh, old I'm were too you? busy. I was 27. So I don't know. I just had it in my head that if you hadn't done it since you were a kid, then you probably didn't have a chance, you know? And it's like a chance at what? I don't know. Cause I, I wasn't planning on fighting or anything like that. That wasn't my goal. I just thought like to be good at anything, you had to start when you were a child. Mm-hmm. And, um, Anyway, I ended up taking like the adult class and I thought like, well, if I start now, like a year from now, I'll be better. I'll be one year better than I am today. That was really my whole thought process was like, why don't you just do it just to try it and see how it goes. And I loved it. It was a jujitsu school. And I just, I don't know. I just loved it. My son hated it. He was like, Ooh, like he just, he was like, they're all touching each other. I don't like this. And so <laughs> he never really wanted to go back, but I started going all the time. I went like, you know how it goes. You start going a couple times a week. Then I was going like five times a week. And then I was going every day. And there were fighters at that school. There was like a small fight team. And like those guys were just so fascinating to me. They had their practice after the jujitsu practice. And so I would just sit there after jujitsu and like watch them warm up. And like a couple of them had been on TV and I just remember thinking, like, I wonder if I could do something like that. I wonder if I could have a physical altercation with somebody and stay calm and be tough and, like, be under the lights. I just wonder what that's like. And so I started practicing with the guys. I started taking MMA classes. Yeah, not too long after that, I took my first fight just so I could have a... How long? Just so I could find out. I started jiu-jitsu in November of 2009, and my first fight was in June of 2010. So. What is that? Seven months. That's crazy. In the gym. Yeah. And you TKO'd <laughs> somebody pro. in 17 seconds? Yeah. And it was a pro fight, which I didn't really understand. That's like how naive I was. I had never really seen a UFC or anything, but I just was like, I just wondered if I could do it. I was like, this sounds so hard and it sounds so scary. It, like most people are afraid of like physical violence. They're afraid of physical confrontation. Most people mm-hmm. are. And I was, but I was like to the point where, I let people push me around or bully me like I had my head down a lot and uh, I was so unconfident, you know, anyway, that's how it all started. And so in Alaska at that time, there wasn't an amateur league. There's no sports commission in Alaska. So there's nobody like (laughs) overseeing all this and regulating it. The promoters just regulate themselves. Yeah. So there was no amateur league. There was only pro. And so that's how I started. That is pretty amazing. You know, what I'm really fascinated with is when you do hard things, there's this myth out there that you're just going to be tough, right? Like, I hate to point them out, but like David Goggins, like, stop being a wimp. You know what I'm saying? Right. This stuff, the best in the world experience uncomfortable thoughts, emotions, and feelings. And it sounds to me like the first time you went into this octagon, it was like, I need to live and I'm going to do whatever it takes to live. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to freaking win. (laughs) And it's amazing, like sometimes when stress, stress narrows our focus, right? And when it's not harnessed, like that moment you talked about, you don't remember anything. I remember the first time I ever stepped foot on a major college football field. And it was, I don't know, 85,000 people in the stadium. And I ran onto the field and it was just like the gladiator. It was just like, oh, everything was like swirling around me. And the first snap was just like a blur. And then you kind of settle in. But did you inoculate yourself over time? Did it get easier to step in the ring or stuck in the octagon? Oh, yeah, 100%. It gets more fun. I know there's like a saying that people have. People say this all the time, especially in the fight world. There's even companies that like their logo, you can't teach heart. And I hate that. I'm like, I think you could learn just about anything. You can definitely like 
make people tougher. You can teach them like grit. I think for some people, it definitely comes more naturally. Some people, I mean, talent is born into all of us in some way, but some people are like tougher than others naturally, but everybody can learn it. In my opinion, that's just what I think. I've definitely gotten like tougher in some ways over time. Yeah, it's task specific, right? Like you're just uh, cooking at your home and all of a sudden they throw you in with a a Michelin starred chef. Like you're going to be stressed out. But then if you were there with that person for six months under their tutelage, eventually everything would calm down. Even though the expectations and the consequences are the same, people are paying hundreds of dollars, if not thousands for their meals. It's the same thing. You're inoculated. Sounds like the same thing with you, right? Yeah. And that, like the way that you train makes a big difference. And um, just talking to people that have been through it and then walking through it yourself, being able to process it, come back to it again, like it becomes a process. And I really love stepping into the octagon. Like the walkout is one of my favorite parts now. I love like when I'm at the UFC and I turn around and they have your lights or they have your name like up in the lights, like going across the arena, like with a picture of you. I'm like, that's my name. That's my name in the lights. And all these fans are cheering for me. And like, I love that energy now. So that is just kind of a different way of looking at it. But it definitely was something that I learned over time. So that stress actually facilitates your performance. Yeah. And I work, I've worked with a really good sports psychologist. His name's Jim Aframow. And he taught me that you need to have nerves to perform your best. He's like taught me like nobody breaks world records in practice because they need those nerves. They need those performance nerves to really push themselves and to make themselves a little bit faster and a little bit more reactive and to like make your senses a little bit sharper. And so that was a big wake up call for me because I used to think of nerves as like so bad. I would be like, oh, my God, I'm nervous. I shouldn't be nervous. Why am I nervous? This must mean something about me. And the truth is, like, everybody gets nervous and it's actually a really good thing. And uh, it's kind of like a power bar for your body. So now whenever I'm in the locker room, that's like how I think of it. Like when I feel a little bit of nerves, I'm like, oh, good. This is my body like getting ready to perform and it needs to feel this way. But yeah, I didn't know any of that in my first fight. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> tells you those things when you're like getting ready for your first fight in Alaska. <laughs> how do you process victory and defeat? Because I have seen both in the time that I've known you and the time that we've been friends. I've watched you you win and I've watched you lose. How do you process both of those scenarios? Yeah, the word process is perfect. It is a process. It takes I think it takes a while for both. Wins are definitely easier <laughs> to process. They're a lot easier to get through and I think there's like different pitfalls for both, but like processing a win it, it I think it's important to enjoy it. There's a lot of coaches out there that are like, okay, on to the next. And they don't even want you to like sit in it because they don't want you to get overconfident or get too comfortable or feel like maybe there's nothing to work on, which is like super easy to do after a win. But I think it is important. you got to celebrate it. Like this is what we do as professional athletes. This is our whole job is to win. And so when we're successful, like we should celebrate ourselves a little bit. But a loss is, uh, it takes longer. It depends on the loss too, but it's definitely a mourning process. You know, I've heard it described like that a lot. And I think that you do go through like the stages of grief and yeah, you have to be able to like pick yourself up, but being able to talk to people about it helps a lot. And just kind of being honest about what you're going through is um, huge. There's a lot of people I think that aren't like super emotionally honest, especially in the fight world. That's necessary, especially like, I knew we were going to talk about mental toughness today. That was like the thought that kept coming to me over and over again was like in order to have mental 
toughness, you need to have a good dose of like emotional honesty. So yeah, that's kind of what I think about it. Like when I go through a loss is like, Hey, this is going to be a process. It's going to hurt for a while. There's certain things we need to look at. And then it's helped me like identify my emotions about it a lot easier. Like, (laughs) am I doing some bargaining right now? Am I going through denial right now? Like, (laughs) you know, have I reached a place of acceptance yet? And yeah, just being able to kind of really identify and be honest about how you feel and what your thoughts are is it's huge. You are married to what I think is a great human being. I think both of you and you and Joe are just the best of the best, but how has Joe, what has his role been as a spouse? Because I mean, when we go through hard things, it's typically not in isolation. So mm-hmm. how does that reflect in your marriage and relationship with others? That's a great question. People ask us this all the time. That's been a process too. And it's that's also required a lot of honesty on like both of our parts. Because it's so hard to have your spouse wrapped up like as a coach you know, it's really a dual role and sometimes they're opposing roles. And so that can be really hard for them to balance. It can be really hard for you to balance. And in MMA in particular, a lot of women in MMA are married to their coaches a ton. I saw that in track. I worked with some (laughs) Olympic gold medalists. I worked with Veronica Campbell Brown for 14 years. She's an eight-time Olympic medalist. And Omar Brown was an elite track athlete and also her coach. Same with Jackie Joyner-Kersey. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is, but yeah. <laughs> Sometimes does it come home with you and you learned how to like, I'm leaving this there and when we get home, it's like, it's over with, or is this, le- has, have there been times where it's like, you're like, look at him, you're like, oh, I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. The example I always give is we go to the gym and he wants to coach me through a sparring round and I'm like, hey, don't tell me to jab more. Like you didn't take the trash out last night. There's dishes piled up in the sink. I'm still mad at you from this domestic dispute that we had like three days ago. And now you're telling me to jab more. Like, I don't think so. And that's a kind of attitude. I think that it's easy to get with your spouse that you would preferably never have with like a regular coach in your life. And so um, Joe and I have done it a couple ways where he's been my coach through camps before and he's been like my main corner man. And that's really hard on us. We don't love it. And so the situation we have right now is that I leave home to go to camp. Camp is like eight to 12 weeks before a fight. And you're just focused on the fight in front of you. And um, I'll even go to Denver. And so I'm in a whole other state. I think it's a different time zone and everything. And um, Joe will still be in my corner, but he plays a really like much more secondary role, much more minor role. And then I have like my main coaches that I go to. And that works out a lot better for us because I can have like a coach and student relationship with my coaches and then my husband can just be my husband. And so when I do have a hard day at practice or I go through something tough, I can just go to him and he gets to just comfort me, love me, walk through it with me, holding my hand instead of like being like, hey, we got to get through that. Like instead of being in a coaching position where he would kind of be like, hey, you have to toughen up about this or you need to think differently about this, or you have to change your attitude. That's nothing. I don't want to hear that from my husband. I just want my husband to love me, comfort me. And it's made things a lot easier on us to have a main coach, to have a head coach that I can go to that can be that for me, can be my head coach. So that's just that. worked better I've, for us. I've got to ask a selfish question. Which one's cleaner, <laughs> you or him? Oh, him, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. 100%. Oh, yeah. Like, I come in and all my shit's everywhere. My side of the bathroom counter, it's a mess. There's like makeup and hairbrushes and hair ties all over the place. My side of the closet, it looks like a bomb went off. His is like 
neat rose his shirts are hung he, up well, he is military like, right i mean he's, yeah, a, he's exactly. a military officer they're like color organized mine is like just whatever's everywhere so anyway yeah joe's by far the more organized like cleaner one of us <laughs> I love thanks again for listening to the blueprint podcast i appreciate your time thank you for listening to lauren and i's wonderful conversation and if you enjoyed it please share it with a friend pay it forward thanks again for listening and i'll catch you on the next episode